What is up, everybody, and welcome back to yet another episode of the Warthog Gaming Podcast, hosted by me, Hamish Hector. And me, Oliver Barsby. How you doing, Ollie? It's been just, it's just been one of those weeks, you know, I feel like it's it's not it's been a long week, you know, uh, just getting on with life. It's been warm. Um I don't know to be honest. I'm I'm okay. I'll say I'm okay this week. I'm quite tired. Looking forward to the weekend, looking forward to having a nice rest. How about you, Hamish? <laughs> No, I honestly can't say I'm feeling any different. I am really looking forward to the weekend. Uh, just before we started recording, I was talking all about my dissertation and I'm really starting to make some really great progress with it. But again, I just want to sleep and nap and mm-hmm. not have to think about any of it. I mean, I put out on our Instagram that I spent a whole day just trying to cite everything I've written. I think um, I'm up to just under a hundred citations. Ooh. It's a lot of citations. Exactly. So I'm very glad that programs like Cite This For Me exist, where I can just feed them in the title of the essay and it will spit out all the information. Do you not cite as you go along, Hamish? No. So what I do is I um I will put in uh the web link or like the the yeah, article yeah. name as I go along, but then I'll like spend the whole time doing it because what I've been play uh, been doing is I've been citing whilst I've got uh, Star Wars: The Clone Wars and in the background. Oh, okay, so it's like work but it's not as hard work yeah when you say it you know it's like you can do it but not have to think too hard yeah so i can yeah. just play some tv in the background easy <laughs> and speaking of playing things oh uh, in a- and amongst all of the work that i've been doing i have found some time to play some games so i'll be i'll be yeah. interested to hear well, what you've been playing hopefully it'll be <laughs> something different but who knows uh for me it has been ori and the will of the wisps oh nice this is the sequel to or in the Blind Forest. And if you've played Ori in the Blind Forest, Ori in the Will of the Wisps is basically just kind of more of the same. And that's definitely not a bad thing when you're as good as this game is. Uh, you get to play as a little light creature that runs around this very beautifully drawn or created 2D world. <laughs> uh, sort of all foresty, but with elements of like a desert times, a mountain, some like dark underground spaces as well. And just sort of, yeah, all of the the look and the music and the feel of everything is brilliant. It's sort of a, a metroidvania, so there's a lot of platforming and the movement feels just so fluid. It's, it's amazing to just sort of wander through this world and you feel really cool when you sort of master all of the the abilities so you can just flow through everything and like being able to master those abilities is then pays off brilliantly in some of the boss fights because whilst there are actual fights where you have to you know do damage to an enemy some of the boss battles do involve you running away from the enemy because like you're quite a tiny little creature and these are you know (laughs) it's not an exaggeration to say they're like 20 times bigger than you in some cases so you can't really fight them you have to run away and yeah, you have to really quickly do loads of consecutive platforming moves. And I think it's just it's just so much fun to feel like you're really mastering this game. Yeah, I, I think for me, platforming, I don't know. I've, I, it, I've never been that big of a fan of the platforming genre. I just, for me, I think it's quite burned out at this point. Like it's been so much, so overdone because it was one of like the first types of video games ever. You know, can you jump over this log or this tree? That's so easy to make. You just, you know, have a few pixels in. I mean, Mario was around in the 80s doing similar things. And I think it's quite hard to innovate in that genre at the moment. Um, lots of people still do. But I don't know. I've just never, never really got into big platforming. I'm, it probably is because I am also awful at timing jumps right. Um, but but Ori, it, it looks, I mean, I, I always think Ori, the style of it looks fantastic. Um, like aesthetically, I'm like, oh, that is a 
great looking Xbox game. Yeah, I think with platformers and Metroidvanias, it's hard to reinvent the wheel because a lot of the great stuff already exists. And I think that, you know, Ori just sort of goes onto the list with some of the other fantastic ones like... um I mean, sort of from an indie perspective, like Hollow Knight. And yeah, Dead that's Cells. what I was thinking. Hollow Knight is great. And I think each of those, what they really do well is creating a brilliant world that is fun to explore. Mm. And there are like subtle differences. Like Hollow Knight seemed to have much more of a focus on fighting, whereas Ori has a, a much bigger focus on, you know, movement. So you, you can find different ways to make them feel different. But yeah, they're... They are a bit samey, but I just fall in love with them every single time, like having all these puzzles to solve. And uh, I think that's, I'm yeah, that's what draws me. I'm more of an action an action player. I'm like, yeah, give give me the combat. I'll go in. I'll I'll strategize from that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's why I prefer. But for me this week, oh, it's just, I've not really had that much time to play as many video games as I want. Unfortunately, um, I think I'll change next week, and I'm going back uh, home to my. At- well, away from my university house. So I should be, I'll have much more to tell next week. Uh, I know there's some good games coming out next week as well, which should be interesting. But one game, well, I played a bit more Breath of the Wild. Uh, my girlfriend's staying with me at the moment and she brought her, uh, Lucy was on the show last week. And if you remember, she said uh, that she couldn't beat this level in Breath of the Wild. It was the Yigi clan stuff, right? She brought it over. You know, I did it first try. Very, very easy. <laughs> <laughs> but I was just, oh, I jumped back into it and I was like, is this going to be as good as I remembered? Because I've played quite a lot of games since I last played Breath of the Wild. And a lot of them are similar in nature, you know, these big open world adventure exploration games. And I just thought, am I I thinking Breath of the Wild is as good as it is? Or am I just sort of over-psyching it in my head and thinking it's such a game when there are better ones out there? And immediately, you know, five minutes in, I was like, okay, yeah, I remember why I voted this as my game of the decade. I remember why this is such a good game. And I think when games are like that, it's a sign, you know, two, three years down the line, you can just pick it up and be like, oh yeah, this is so good. You can just jump straight back in. That's a sign of an instant classic game and one which will probably like be remembered for years to come as sort of a big turning point in gaming history. Maybe not that much, uh, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Apart from that, I played a bit of PUBG Mobile for my work. That was, Ooh. it was, it was okay. It's like Fortnite mobile, I guess. Like it was very easy. I won my first match. There's probably a ton of bots in there, but it made me feel good. Um, and yep, that is unfortunately all, all I've done this week with actual playing games. It's been, it's been one of those weeks where you don't get as much time to play as much games as you want. We can, we can hope, we can, we can dream. <laughs> well, I can. We can hope and we can dream. And you know what I'm hoping and dreaming for, Ali? What are you hoping for? I'm hoping and dreaming for what our first news story is about mm-hmm. will actually happen. <laughs> yeah. By that, I mean that uh, Microsoft is also throwing, throwing their hat into the ring as one of the companies that wants to buy Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, or at least acquiring it. So I think like they don't get all the IP, they just get to license them. And of all the companies so far that have expressed an interest... My boys over at Xbox, my boys and girls and non-binary people over at Xbox are absolutely the people that I want to do it. Not um, only will that yeah, I've had a look me at the- as an Xbox <laughs> fanboy for years to come, hopefully on some good classic first party titles that will be exclusive, but also <laughs> compared to say like your EAs and your... Activisions, which yeah, are showing they can't handle IP properly. It was a take, it was take two 
uh, think, was it? And Activision and then EA. I was thinking, oh man, <laughs> please. The trifecta. Not, not EA. Please, I've seen what they've done to Star Wars in the past. Please, no, <laughs> no. But yep, yeah, Microsoft, they've thrown the hat in the ring. Um, I think it's $4 billion is how much AT&T are looking for um, for the Warner Bros. game unit. So obviously, it's going to have to be one of the big the big, the big, big companies who can actually buy these games or these game studios. So I think the studios it includes, are, I've got a list here. We have Rocksteady who make the Batman Arkham series and an upcoming Suicide Squad game, I think. Um, I think I got leaked I rumored, or revealed. Yeah. Ru- rumoured, yeah. Well, there's so many rumours. No one knows what they're working on. I just no. want to know it, though. Yeah, I am hyped. <laughs> Netherrealm, who are the create... Well, who make Mortal Kombat games. Monolith mm-hmm. Software. Is this software? Monolith, who make the Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War. Those type games. Both very good. Yeah, both good well, games, actually. the first one was very good. I wasn't <laughs> as big a fan of the second. No, I had a bit of loot boxy microtransactions, didn't it? Um, yeah, it did, but it, there were just other things like it yeah. didn't feel quite the same. Well, and hopefully they improve under Microsoft or something. Um, and then TT Games, who make the Lego sort of games. And then finally, Absolutely. Avalanche, who are the creators and makers of Just Cause and the rumoured but basically very much in the making Harry Potter RPG. Sort of game, yeah. So there's some pretty big, some big names in there. Um, I think, yeah, as, as an Xbox fan, I could see why you'd definitely be happy about this. Um, you know, it could work. More studios does mean more exclusives potentially. Uh, it could mean the company can try and catch up with the PlayStation exclusives that we'll probably talk a bit more about later. You know, as as, as I'm, I don't think I'll be getting an Xbox Series X. I am kind of a bit like, oh, if they get me studios, it means I won't be able to play their games probably. Although I can play on my PC, I guess, because it will be, if it comes to the Game Pass especially. Yeah. My concern, though, is does it make sense financially for them to really be investing in these new studios? Because it was in 2018, I think, when everyone was like, where's the new next Xbox game coming from? When they got on stage at E3 and they were like, here are new studios we required, and it's Playground Games, Ninja Theory, and surely they should be focusing on like making sure these games from these studios are the best they can be rather than investing in new ones and then sort of spreading themselves too thin, perhaps. Yeah, I think there's definitely a fear that if they acquire too much too quickly, they could wear themselves out. But I feel like with the with the Warner Brothers Studios that are on the cards, they have a, a pretty decent proven track record. So mm. I think it's it's like almost kind of a safe bet. So like we know Rocksteady has done incredibly well at all of the Batman Arkham games. So having them work on something they sort of know that they maybe need to give them some advice and some some oversight for sure but maybe they know that those people can work with a little bit less oversight than a typical studio because like they've shown that they can make they can make something amazing mm. and then also you talked about you know potentially there being an exclusive and other players losing out on some of these games i think there is certainly a risk of that in some cases i would imagine that there may be combat titles like uh, sony's uh, Spider-Man on the PS4, they could probably wield some of the power that DC kind of has. I feel like in gaming, DC's still kind of popular, even if the yeah more the, than in the, the mainstream aren't. It's just, I mean, people aren't actually sure yet whether um, these IP are actually included in the deals. I don't think they might cost more 
just to sort of get these IP. Because I do think when I've seen everyone on Reddit or on Twitter talking about this, it has been, as you said, they're like, oh, well, you have Spider-Man over at PlayStation, but we have Batman, Superman, the whole DC cast. Um, yeah. And it is a lot of it is focusing on the, the IP. And I'm not sure whether they're licensed, whether Microsoft would be licensed so they'd have to pay for the license still. I assume they probably would, but it might be a lesser rate considering they have the studios. Yeah, and I also imagine that the the other key thing, like let's say the Lego games, which have a probably slightly more niche, or, or I, I don't know if niche is the right word, sort of a, a younger audience akin to, say, Minecraft. Minecraft is a Microsoft-owned game but that's available on every platform so i would imagine that there will be games in this slate which even if they are yeah. microsoft produced games they will probably be available on everything and they might just have yeah. the microsoft game studios logo mm, at the beginning i don't think that lego is a sort of actual actual toy would give its ip just to xbox because quite a lot of it's sort of the games are linked in so heavily with the toys so it's kind of a bit of promotion as well um so they want to yeah, of so- course get that across every single platform exactly so i think that there is the potential that yeah this could lead to more exclusives which you know as an xbox fan i'm going to be excited for but i think that there probably won't be as many exclusives as people might fear because but there might be some like i could see say mortal Kombat being one i think that's sort of oh you get a lot yeah you get a lot of backlash by mortal Kombat fans on the playstation uh if they went only xbox exclusive that would be though i don't i don't know much about mortal Kombat, but is it cross platform uh i think it might be cross platform i'm not sure but i know that there's still obviously a lot of people who play it on the, every single console it's still a hugely popular game yeah but again like i guess that could almost help it cuz it's like oh yeah rather than playing it on you know across lots of different systems where you can't necessarily all play together you can play it across these microsoft systems say the pc and xbox and they are all cross-platform cross-play everything and so i guess that would help the the player base of those fighting games potentially sort of last for longer Mm. and maybe encourage people in the community to stick around for a while yeah i I think lots of the the hate they would get well not hate just anger from lots of the fans of who play on the playstation 4 playstation 5 would and I'm not sure again. I'm not sure if Mortal Kombat as an IP is owned by NetherRealm because it's quite a long. It's been around a long time, so I'm not really sure who actually owns the IP to Mortal Kombat and whether they would want to again just commit to the Xbox system. Yeah, again, it's because not much is known about these deals. I feel like for four billion, if that's the amount that's been thrown, <laughs> it's around, a lot of money. These, it's a lot of money. Some of these big IP have got to be included. Yeah, because as good as these game studios are, four billion is a lot. Yeah, so who knows? I mean, this could all just be pointless talk because ea will come and snap them up and then uh close every studio down within five years yeah they would th- i think they would just sort of ruin it because what's yeah some of the star wars games and some of these other companies like with it we are poo-pooing on a little bit they do have some good games in their lineups but also they have a plethora of bad decisions yeah they've got a history pro consumer moves that make me go yeah i just kind of want it it's yeah it's a history of as well like not just anti-consumer moves but anti-industry moves in terms of the actual developers so you know they'll buy up the development studio and all the the owners or the shareholders in those studios will be like oh yeah great and then the developers will be like well this is cool for me but what's going to happen to the studio five years down the line when ea decide that our last game which they forced us to make was awful what would happen then they would just be losing their jobs or would be sort of shoveled into another ea studio to go and create fifa 22 or whatever comes along well, talking about FIFA 22, 
Oh dear. And talking about Microsoft maybe <laughs> standing up for consumers. Our next story relates to sort of the, the back and forth that's going between some recent news that we're seeing about how game prices are going to be going up, but also Xbox trying to tell developers that next-gen upgrades should be free. So I'm using this for across two sites. We've got our VGC and The Verge. Basically, last week, uh, we nearly covered this in our show, but we're running a bit short of time. NBA 2K21 is suggesting that it will have its base version will cost $69.99 uh, US dollars. Uh, so that'll be going up. And then oh, we might have actually talked about this last week, did we? We might have talked about it. I have to double it. check. Uh, but regardless, um, there's obviously some sort of confusion because some of these games, like 2K 2021, will have a PlayStation 1 and a... PlayStation, uh, not one. A PlayStation 1. <laughs> an Xbox One and an Xbox Series X version, as well as a PS4 and a PS5 version. And so it is... People are sort of wondering, you know, where does this all come in with the whole smart delivery being a free upgrade and all of that? So it looks like people are still trying to work out some of these teething problems. Xbox is trying to promote developers use smart delivery as a free upgrade for gamers. But I uh, I think, based on other stories we've seen as well... Um, the one about uh, the game price, you know, game prices are unsustainable uh, and sort of game development is currently unsustainable that you brought up a few weeks ago, Ollie. Mm. I feel like prices will have to go up and I think people will just yeah, have to work it's, out how that looks. It's been inevitable for five or so, you, even maybe more than that, that games with the rising cost in development, I mean, you look at the amount of money spent on games like GTA Five, The Last of Us 2 had an insane budget as well, um, and these games are the same price that ones made 10 years ago were with huge budget, so there's been like a bit of give and take with the industry where something's going to have to change, and I think it will be, games will eventually become more expensive for um, permanently, at least in the next generation, so... As we've said, yes, $59.99 is the recommended price for Xbox One and PS4, $64.99 for Series X and PS5. I just think lots of the criticism I kind of do agree with is the fact that games like, which are out of these premiums, it's not actually your The Last of Us 2 or the, um, the what's the new one coming out, Ghost of Tsushima. It's the FIFA 21s or the NBA 2K 21s or the Madden 21s. These are the ones which charge the most. And the fact that like these games are riddled with microtransactions, people are just thinking, well, why are you raising the prices if most of your profits come from these microtransactions? Are the increased prices going to even go into development? Especially when these games take one year max to develop and are basically very similar each year. You know, they don't have to start from scratch. They can use a lot of their previous assets and gameplay and design and production. Where is all this increased money going to go is it just going to go into the pockets of the executives rather than into the actual development itself um so i think it's a shame that price rises are going to sort of impact the industry this way i hope that xbox and microsoft do get their sort of own way to put it like that where they go you know what no you're not you're not doing this but unfortunately i don't think they have that much power over publishers no i don't think they do because again you know they can't really say oh well you can't sell FIFA or Madden or NBA on our platform because then, well, you know, whilst you know your system real <laughs> gamers in inverted commas oh, want to no. sort of poo poo on them, yeah, I've used poo poo twice, <laughs> but they want to sort of hate on them. System sellers, you know, most gamers play these games. Yeah, if if you look at the most popular games every year, um, you know, in the, in the charts, as as much as the as your um, sort of as you I, you say real gamers, I would say you know. I might even say pretentious gamers. 
<laughs> yeah. um, I, I people can't see it. I was doing like air quotes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As they may say, oh, these games, you know, they're, they're for casuals. They they're awful. Well, sometimes they can be pretty bad to play. You look at the charts every month, even now. It's FIFA twenty one. Um, Call of Duty Modern Warfare well FIFA 20 actually Call of Duty Modern Warfare and it'll just it's sort of a cycle even GTA 5 is still GTA in there 5. yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're always in there they're always doing well on, in, in the news you know people love particularly in the UK yeah particularly in the UK of course and Europe for FIFA especially in America I think NBA 2K is uh, quite popular FIFA a bit and I guess Madden you don't really have as much of a following of Madden over here in the UK because we don't really not as many people care about uh, American, American football Bumble. No, I don't blame them. Um, but yep, hopefully NBA 2K might sort of reevaluate their strategy because they aren't included in smart delivery at the moment or, well, it's not EA, so they don't have their own sort of EA what's, dual, dual entitlement. Is that what it's called? Yeah, so the yeah. current one, I believe it's for um, Madden. Yeah, Madden and expected to be for FIFA. I think it, it might be confirmed for FIFA. I'm not sure yet. So uh, basically, if you yeah. buy the Xbox one version by a certain date i think they've you'll ch- be able to- i think they've changed it now so it's just if you buy it before f- the next game comes out so madden 22 yeah you can you can upgrade it until madden uh 2022 comes out yeah so you can upgrade it which is good um it's you know it's pretty good on ea to let you upgrade it to the next gen version um madden well sorry not madden um nba 2k 21 is not got that i think you can buy for like 85 pounds or something a pack and it comes with both versions which is like yeah you're getting this you're getting two games for cheaper but it's also you're buying the same game twice which you know i'd be a bit i wouldn't want to do that we can hope for the best the best outcome for consumers i would say you know smart delivery comes from all angles every 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 game, it looks to be lots, lots of all going that way. Uh, lots of developers are seeming to do. I know that CD Projekt Red have said they are. Most Sony developed games, I think, are doing it the same way. So, yeah, we'd have to see. Then talking about price increases, uh, we've got the uh, some some weird news about uh, Horizon Zero Dawn on Steam. Earlier this week, Horizon saw its price increasing in lots of different regions, including the UK, uh, Australia, and Argentina. And here in the UK, the game had its price raised on the platform from 32.99 to 39.99 uh bringing it in line with steam uh but not in steam uh with the epic game store and it's been quite an odd one for lots of people they're not really sure why the that price has increased in certain regions um and why that price was set lower hmm. for some games to begin with though people online because uh, i was doing some research for this earlier in the week found that it might be related to something i didn't realize you could do but it's it's using a vpn to abuse steam's regional price pricing scheme <laughs> yeah uh, I, lots of words i did not know you could use vpns to abuse steam i assumed it would be connected to like i don't know your account or your card linked with your account well uh well we can come on to that <laughs> in a minute um but for a while Basically, Steam lets you impose regional pricing. So here in the UK and countries like the US, where people have more disposal income, games cost more than they might do in, say, Argentina or Colombia, where people have less disposal income. And Steam lets some developers set regional prices. So, you know, if you you can upload your game and say, okay, in the US, I want to charge $50, and they'll go, okay, based on that price, we'd recommend these prices for other regions and you can hit okay and it will let you sort of price it differently everywhere and the advantage of this is it means that you can 
kind of sell your game everywhere because, you know, a $50 game in Argentina is going to be, you know, kind of like trying to make someone buy an $150 game in in the US. It's a, it's a lot of money. Yeah. So it sort of lets everyone access your game for a price that's sort of fair across the board. Though, if you're from a more expensive region and you have a VPN, you can set it so that you're accessing Steam in Argentina and can therefore get games at a heavily discounted price. <laughs> and so countries in regions where the game was lower believe that it was basically this that is the reason that Steam has increased the price or Sony has increased the price in various regions because Argentina was one of those, as I mentioned at the beginning of the story, which had its price changed. Hmm. I, I, I would just think Steam should surely be able to come up with a way to stop people using VPNs to buy games for cheaper. Um, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar company. Yeah. Um, um, well, actually, because I mentioned I was doing some research uh, for this, for an article I was writing, and um, there were two things I want to say. So firstly, that it does look like Steam are clamping down on this a little good. bit. There are people that are on um, some YouTube pages sort of that highlight how this exploit can be achieved saying oh it doesn't work anymore it's all going wrong i'm getting an error message and based on those messages it looks like steam could be doing one of a few things so they could be doing uh what you've mentioned ollie about where your credit cards link to uh but also looking where you last logged in and it's kind of the similar way that pokemon go has done it in the past it's like well you <laughs> like 10 minutes ago you were in the uk and now you're in france like how's that possible or maybe not france that's actually quite close but like um you're in argentina now, now. You're in how, how are you argentina. there how are you there so quickly have you done that and sort of blocking people that way another potential one could be it uh, sort of it's based on where your other steam accounts are logged in because um one thing that they push is you don't just have steam on your laptop but you get like a steam on your phone and lots of utilities of steam are locked behind not having those two versions mm. basically it's like a two-factor authentication thing and they they might be some people have theorized that what they might be doing is looking where your pc is and looking where your phone is and if they're logged in in different locations then you're probably <laughs> not in one of the locations that you say you are yeah uh and then to also put this into some actual perspective because i mentioned like the 150 dollars thing i don't think it's quite that bad uh, i think it's actually worse even sorry um if you compare the monthly minimum wage earned by people in the uk with how much the game costs uh horizon zero dawn costs and then you look at how much the game costs to people in argentina based on their monthly minimum wage uh the game comes to about three percent of the wage in the uk whereas it comes to about 13 and a half percent in argentina so that's like a hefty chunk 13 percent of what total every month so if you worked one whole month at okay, minimum yeah. wage you would make an amount <laughs> and then if you compare the price of the game in each of those regions yeah, with I mean, the okay, amount yeah. you would earn in each region yeah that's a so lot. like three percent it's a lot but it's reasonable whereas 13 and a half percent is that's a lot of that's a big chunk of your earning uh yeah that's i i know why it's good that uh steam is doing this like region regional prices but i think yeah pe people exploiting it it's just it's just not gonna it's gonna hurt the developers and ultimately might end up hurting people in these countries because developers might just say well if people are going to exploit it, I'm not going to risk it. Uh, I'm going to price my game the same everywhere, which, you know... Exactly. Is... That's what Sony have seemingly done. Yeah. Um, and it's happened quite a few times, uh, even to the extent where a lot of games don't even... Like, a lot of indie games, actually, in particular, don't even bother turning on regional pricing because they're making so little in the more expensive countries anyway that they, you know, they, they can't afford to have people 
pay them even less. Buy Horizon Zero Dawn on PS4 if you're, if you're that bothered about saving money on it. It's about £10, I think. Uh, one thing that is disappointing and that we wanted to sort of close out the news on this week were that Last of Us 2 devs, um, Naughty Dog, and also some of their voice actors and people they've collaborated with on the project have been receiving harassment and death threats. And I don't think we need to say this, Ollie, but this is not okay. <laughs> no, it's it's just it's just bad. You can't really say anything else with it. It's people being angry at a video game plot and sending people death threats or harassing people online because they can't separate the fact that what someone does like literally just acting it as their job they can't disassociate them from the character so it's a lot of it is directed at um it's laura bailey she is a fantastic voice actor um in gaming she's like beloved for the work she does so she plays um mj in the spider-man ps4 game i remember um she's really good in that too and she shared screenshots on Twitter um, of some of the threats sent to her by internet trolls or genuinely people who actually wanted to hurt her or were angry at the game. Uh, I'm not going to read any out here because I kind of don't want to give them publicity. Um, yeah, so it, but it, as you said, it's just awful. Please don't do that. It's just not acceptable. Be a grown up. You have to be 18 to play this game. Act like it. Well, lots, lots of these people haven't played this game. Well, that's the point. And yeah, and if you if you feel like you can't behave like a normal person, then maybe you shouldn't be playing these kinds of games. Exactly. Or watching these kinds of games, or <laughs> maybe you need to take some ownership of your own your own stuff. But just don't be a bad person. This is the third week in a row we've had to say this. Yeah, we oh my, we we just have there's just lots of bad stuff on in, in in the gaming industry at the moment. And whilst I'm glad that some of it's coming to light, you know, you just think, come on, what what is the industry like? How much more is in the industry which is like awful stuff we don't know about? And I don't know, it just bums me out a bit sometimes. Well. Actually, because we're a bit bummed out and I don't want to quite go into the topic. So I have one Ooh, final additional final, special bonus news story that <laughs> I'd forgotten that happened this week. And I am very, very excited. This relates to Pokemon Go. Oh. And th- that is that currently there is a build up to the Pokemon Go Fest, the Pokemon Global Go Fest, uh, where people can access this event from all over the world. It's ticketed. I'm very excited for it. And one of the build up events is a Team Rocket invasion. In particular, there's an invasion of two, well, actually three special members of Team Rocket, and that is Jesse, James, and Meowth. What a, what a surprise. What a surprise. The reveal of it all was amazing. because so they just showed like some of the generic rocket balloons. And then one day I was just scrolling through Instagram and there's the video on the screen and it, it just says that like, you just see the Team Go Rocket logo and you think, oh, okay, it's just going to be more of the regular stuff. And then you see the two familiar silhouettes <laughs> with the the good old-fashioned prepare for trouble and make it double. We love it. We and love it. the hype was felt. It was real. <laughs> and I'm stoked. I love Pokemon Go. I haven't been playing it as much recently. I've been stuck indoors. But I will be venturing outside again, making sure I stay a safe distance from everybody, wearing a mask good. where I need to. Good, good. And, uh, but yeah, because when I was uh, in the countryside, it was a lot easier to just go around and play. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I ran into nobody. Nobody. Whereas now because I'm back in Leamington for some time. Not quite as easy just to do that, but uh, I, I think I will. More Pokestops. More Pokestops, isn't there? There I'm are guessing. more Pokestops, <laughs> but I can't quite access one from oh. uh, the house here. So I am I will have to venture out, but I think uh, I, yeah. I will just have to remember to play it. For now, we're going to talk about... I'm going to have to wait. I'm just going to have to get some of my holy symbols to protect me from the... <laughs> 
devilish stuff we're about to be talking about. I cannot wait. It is that we are going to be talking about the best PlayStation games. We love we love some PlayStation games, you know. It's we'd be if it was up to me, we'd be here all day talking about the best PlayStation games. You know, there's so many of them. Um, I think really talking about games with you, Hamish, has kind of brought out more of a tribalism in me, and it's kind of ugly. I don't. I want to stay. I want to <laughs> steer clear of console war stuff in the future, but just for today, I'm gonna I'm gonna let accept there is some very very good PlayStation games out there which are much better than Xbox games, but that's that's for another time. True. I, I would like to throw on that I too have, we each have three, and um, I, I think it'll be really interesting to talk about some of this, because whilst I, I, I have gone in on the Xbox tribalism, I'm really not that tied to my console as <laughs> I pretend to be, you know, I've... So will you be getting a, a, a PS5 then? Potentially. Uh, I, I guess with having a job, uh, hopefully in the near future, I would imagine that I could probably warrant affording mm. both. Like gaming is my hobby, so I would be, you know, rather than spending it on something else like a bike or whatever, I could I could see myself getting both consoles. Nice, absolutely. But yeah, I've owned a PlayStation. I mean, I've owned a PlayStation One and a PlayStation Two, uh, and for uh, my second and third year at university, I used my flatmate's PlayStation Four quite frequently. So I can see myself, you know, jumping back going in, back to the PlayStation, and like I have three games to talk about, one from each generation of PlayStation that huh. I've played. Unfortunately, all of mine are quite recent. You know, my first PlayStation console was the PlayStation 4. Um, before that, I was Nintendo and Xbox exclusively. And then one of the games, which I'm going to talk about, came out and I was like, damn, that looks really good. I want to play that. And I did. And I have not regretted it since. So all of mine, unfortunately, will be PlayStation 4 games, but they're all very good in their own rights. That's okay. So, you can go first then with one. Ooh, I can do. I can go with my first one and it's the one which I briefly mentioned about being why I bought the PlayStation 4 and that is Spider-Man PS4 it is this was going to be one of my what? ones as well so oh we is it oh yes we both going on this we, game. I think this is one of our first times we've had an actual time where we've chosen a similar same game I think we've done it once before I think we chose Mario Kart once uh, yeah I think we did when we did DS games we both yeah, picked the same pick Mario Kart. Uh, final game yeah but yeah Spider-Man PS4 I picked up my PlayStation 4 for it because I mean the best thing I think about the spider-man game is just swinging through new york city you know just flying around a spider-man in an amazing city in new york city it's a place i have loved and i somewhere i want to go at least some point in my life and there's so many easter eggs which are like tributing spider-man's past or the avengers or anything to do with marvel and new york and i just love every inch of the world and you can tell there's been so much love and so much dedication put in by Insomniac Games into I'm gonna say accurately but somewhat accurately depicting New York City um I if you look into some bit iffy aspects around the police which I wrote an article about that's something else though um it's just a fantastic game which I cannot recommend enough if you like Spider-Man or you just want to feel I, I hate saying feel like a superhero because it's kind of like one of those terms which doesn't mean anything anymore really but just the way the combat works it's just arcadey beat-em-up combat is not made very well anymore in um, in big triple-a games the combat is so varied and there's so much customization options you can do in this game to really make the combat pop and memorable and i just it's a great game and i really want to know what you think about this hamish because i know you've mentioned it before but what, what do you like about the spider-man game 
So much like you, if I if I hadn't been living with a flatmate with a PlayStation Four, I almost certainly would have bought one. Mm. And on many occasions, I nearly bought the Spider-Man <laughs> PlayStation Four. Uh, I didn't in the end because it was you know it was going to be like four hundred quid for the game and the pro yeah. and all of that stuff, and I didn't want to drop that money if I didn't have to. But yeah, I love spider-man i am a big comic book fan and i think sort of the unpop maybe the the overly popular opinion but like spider-man is my favorite superhero uh, stemming back from the classic 90s cartoon <laughs> that i adored as a kid and i just and still to this day i really like some of the messages of the character in the comic book so uh, i think it's he's a brilliant character and i love all of the other spider people in the world i you know i think it's i i i, I am like I was so excited to play this game when I saw some of the trailers, particularly when you see characters like Miles roaming around and it's like knowing who that character can be and being like, oh, that's what I want to see in the MCU. And then seeing what I wanted sort of happen in this game. It was excellent. I loved from the story perspective, the ways that the characters were sort of remixed in different ways. Like I really mm. liked the, the the change on Doc Ock that was put in there. And I liked the emphasis on Mr. Negative because like he was a character that I was familiar with because from the, the comic books, like the when I properly got into Spider-Man comic books, like he was kind of the in villain at the time. And so it was kind of cool to f- to see this character that I was kind of aware of, but other people didn't be a be a big part of it. Yeah, he's he's not really seen in sort of like the mainstream Spider-Man media, I guess, as he's not one of the sort of big villains like the Doc Ock or the Green Goblins or the Electros, I guess. So it was exactly great to see him in there. I think one thing I really liked about this sort of story and the design from that perspective as well was that every single Spider-Man film at the moment always seems to be sort of oh, I just, he's just Peter Parker, or, well, I guess in, into the Spider-Verse as well, discovers he's Spider-Man, and it's about them learning about how to be Spider-Man, and they're just for, getting familiar with their skills. I do like that in this Spider-Man PS4, you know, it's Peter Parker when he's a bit older, and he knows how to be Spider-Man. He knows exactly how to control everything which he does. I just think it was it, it's refreshing to kind of see a take like that in these games. Exactly. And I think one, my final thing was that again, much like you, the, the combat and the motion and the, mm. the movement through the city was brilliant. Uh, and in particular, one thing I liked about the combat was a lot of people say, oh, it, it's just kind of a rip off on Arkham the Arkham games and the developers sort of responding that it really isn't because in the Arkham games yeah you you do have gadgets and you have the combat but Batman's much more about sort of dealing hard hits to enemies and sort of finding ways to not have them all come at you at once whereas in Spider-Man enemies will fully gang up on you much more and the the way they were saying that it's Spider-Man isn't an enemy that isn't a hero that fights on the ground he is up in the air like you you should be stealthing your way through as much of the game as you can and then when you do enter a fight you shouldn't land on the floor you should pull enemies up to you yeah and use your gadgets to stun them if whilst they're shooting at you and i, I sort of the that that was sort of like the combat way that i'd intuitively like found in this game as being successful and so it was it was fun to see like that that's what they'd intended to happen because it again it it just works like when you yeah you just yank a guy into the air like they said that, that was their favorite ability to put in yes lots of the stealth people 
sort of do forget or don't talk about the stealth gameplay in Spider-Man PS4 enough. Um, you know, I think about the levels and when you, you know, have to creep around jumping from place to place, as you said, up in the air or up on like some ta- some very nicely placed um, pillars or whatever around the city or the hideouts that you're at and, you know, sneaking up right behind someone, yanking them up uh, in your web and tying them up. And just a stealth gameplay, I thought, especially was it was really unique, really innovative. You know, it wasn't just sneak behind somebody sort of style gameplay, which you see in quite a few stealth games. Or um, it's just it's just a refreshing game. And I'm so glad that it was the game which brought me into the PlayStation. Um, mm-hmm. I do hope. I mean, I it will it should come to other consoles. You know, it's Spider-Man's a big franchise, but I just think unfortunately it won't at the moment. Um, you never know in the future. It definitely could be seen on PC. Uh, with the yeah. way Sony are going with Horizon Zero Dawn, as you said, and Death Stranding. Um, I really hope it makes its way onto other consoles so other people can see how good of a game it is. And because I think on PC, it would be very good with mods. Can you imagine? Yeah, I can. Yeah, I think it would be It would be really cool. Getting Especially maybe just getting to go around like as Spider-Gwen. Uh, yeah. That sort of the... Or Ghost Spider, as she is called in the comments. Like, that sort of the hoodie style and everything. I think that's probably my favourite Spider costume. Um but anyway, yeah. talking about games that have sort of gone onto other platforms, my second one's kind of a cheat because now it is multi-platform. <laughs> but for decades, it is oh, decades. Yeah, probably a decade at least. It's been only available on one type of system, and that is the PlayStation. And so I'm going to go with Kingdom Hearts Two Final Ooh. Mix. Uh, oh, there yeah. are quite a, f- a few. I because I kind of I've chosen that one specifically because whilst there is like the Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and Kingdom Hearts 2.5, which I think overall's packages are maybe better games. Those are the ones that are cross-platform, whereas sort of the the single Kingdom Hearts Two Final Mix is a, a PlayStation Two game and. Yeah. Um, and so I'm going to go with that one. So for me, the reason why I've picked this game is because I think Kingdom Hearts 2 is the best game in the King- uh, in the franchise for mm. lots of reasons. I think it's, it's at a point where it, it builds upon what's been set up in Kingdom Hearts 1 and Chain of Memories. And it's just before the game gets a little bit carried away with how it retcons things yeah. and just sort of... <laughs> complicating the world for the sake of complicating it it has some basic combat ideas of like it sort of makes the core kingdom hearts combat what it should be it um has some brilliant moments i think one thing that can happen with these games is you have to always bring the power the the power level of the main character down back to zero and they they do it quite well in kingdom hearts 2 i think like it makes a lot of sense why sora isn't as strong as he was at the end of kingdom hearts 1 but then by about the midpoint of the game they make you feel very powerful again they have uh the most memorable moment from that from the series uh the battle of 1000 heartless and it's really really cool where you're just sort of just blasting through (laughs) waves and waves of enemies Mm. and the way even on like the playstation 2 they can make it feel like you're surrounded by creatures even though that system cannot do that in terms of power (laughs) the way it was able to trick uh young me into it because a lot of my memories will be of the base version of the game because Final Mix didn't release outside of the US and Japan until the 2.5 games. But I think I I, I adored the original. And then Mm. the Final Mix version adds in all of these extra little quality of life things. So it puts in um, a few extra cutscenes which tie into the overall story better. And I really like how it's like sort of... Kingdom Hearts has some weird elements, but sort of the idea that sort of the, the, the player as a viewer 
Xbox has some of these restrictions imposed on them. So I really like how you, when you're watching some of these new additional cutscenes, until that character is unhooded to Sora, the player doesn't see their face and only hears their voice. Um, and that really ties into a lot of the the underlying lore. And I think it's a really cool yeah. little way to tackle these things. And then, yeah, the the extra bosses in that game are <laughs> super fun to fight like you get to in kingdom hearts 2 you only get to fight some of organization 13 as some of them have been defeated in the previous game um and so it's cool to actually get to fight them all in one single game uh because uh final mix adds like a a, a secret area you can find where you can battle data versions of each of the organization and they're yeah. souped up that's something that's been thrown into the kingdom hearts 3 dlc now and that is also brilliant but kingdom hearts 2 was quite a good version of it i also like how the bosses weren't impossibly difficult they were hard but they they had quite a nice progression they went uh you know sort of the first few organization bosses are slightly harder than what you fight in the base game and they build up to the final rematch against um Zemnus, which is you know super super difficult <laughs> and then the and then the other dlc fight that's added is the lingering will which i won't go into who it is but it's a it's a it's a, another character that ties into a sequel but again this character was the hardest boss fight in the series until the kingdom hearts 3 dlc and it's just because normally in kingdom hearts bosses are either hard or fast and the lingering will is both and will just obliterate you and it's sort of the way you have to <laughs> master all of the abilities and really understand how combat works in that game yeah to even have a chance to survive for more than five seconds <laughs> and i will admit oh I, I did eventually have to cheese the boss. I could uh. I could whittle them down quite a long way. Yeah, but I just think that I uh, I, I I did have to eventually sort of admit uh, admit to trying to cheese it. But that cheesing it was still a difficulty on its own. And actually, <laughs> I didn't do it quite right, so I had to balance cheesing some of the boss, then fighting it properly for a bit, then cheesing it a bit more. So I, I feel like I did kind of a hybrid strategy that was a lot of fun. The Kingdom Hearts for me, you know, it's one of those game series where I'd love to get into. I just don't know why I never have because I could tell you know i do really like games where they have big detail lore backstories you know you can read into it all whether scattered through the game or just generally online or stuff they've released and i think i know it gets a bad rep for sort of going over the top and being a bit too a bit too out there occasionally sometimes uh, especially with the later ones past the one you've been talking about but yeah. it's, it's just it just seems like a solid series and I'm, I, I know we're talking about PlayStation games here, but I, again, I'm just really glad that it's not just on the PlayStation anymore. Um, I know there's a, there's a lot of fans on every console. Um, is it on the Switch now or not? I can't remember. No, it's not. not so, I, like, and now is like the best time to get it because yeah. um, they've consolidated a lot of it. I think my only two criticisms left with Kingdom Hearts are the two mobile games. Mm. But in terms of like someone wanting to understand the story, for the most part, you can get 1.5 and 2.5 remix and then the 2.8 remix and that gives you six games three animatics which covers nine which then that covers nine games in total because they turned um the two ds games and some of the mobile game into just like a 3d movie yeah and they up it all and it looks really it looks really cool and it was a really clever way to sort of incorporate these games that really heavily relied on a touchscreen into uh just a regular uh, <laughs> uh console and then yeah you've got kingdom hearts 3 with the finally the remind dlc which i think actually makes it good i would say kingdom hearts 3 was not good for for many reasons <laughs> um i'm gonna stop talking about all the other kingdom hearts stuff i'm just gonna put a lid on it you can save it for the xbox one if there's if there's any of them on the xbox um 
Do you know what's three is on the Xbox? I I can say that, but no, I I'll probably talk about it at the beginning of next week because hopefully I'll have finished. Ooh. There's only three more boss fights, but they're going to take me a long time to do. <laughs> You'll have been playing. Next I will time. talk about it next week, and hopefully there I will have are. finished <laughs> the final three boss fights. I would like to think I'll have got through at least one. I believe I believe you can do all three. I believe in you. You can do it. It's turn down easy easy difficulty. Oh no, I can't turn the difficulty down. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I'll talk more about Kingdom Hearts three next week. Uh, you do you want to go in with your? Uh... I can. Um, mine is st- is uh, one we've been talking about quite a bit. Well, I've been talking about quite a bit over the past few weeks because it is The Last of Us Part 2. It's a bold take. It is on this list. Um, It's not recency bias. I've had time to think and compare it to other ones. Um, And it makes sense to my list because it is an amazing game with a story that I don't think I'll ever be able to forget. Um, You know, it's truly tense, gut-wrenching moments during the whole 25 hours, I think, of this game. But still, I'm not going to talk about the the story, not only because I want you or people to go and play it and experience the story, but because it's all people talk about at the moment for The Last of Us Part 2. You know, they go, the story's good, or the story sucks, or I'm so mad at this thing. The reason I think this game should be on this list is because the gameplay is absolutely insane how good this gameplay is, especially compared to The Last of Us 1, which everyone always, lots of people will say, oh, The Last of Us Part 1, or just The Last of Us should be on this list. You play the first game, it's okay for gameplay-wise, you know, you hide behind some cover, you throw a bottle here and there, but it's it's a bit samey, and it's not as tense, I'd say. Um, the Last of Us Part 2 made huge advances. I think um, as sort of much as the focus was on the storyline of this, the design team and Norse Dog have done fantastic things in every level um, to make it actually, f- I know Neil Druckmann hated saying the word our game shouldn't be fun to play. He said we don't make games that are fun. I mean that's just wrong. This is a fun game to play. <laughs> Um, yeah. You play The Last of Us 2, you approach the sort of level or the um, sort of start of the encounter, and there's so many different ways you can approach it. You know, you can do massive stealth things in this game. You can, like, crawl through the grass like your solid snake, hide behind things, um, distract enemies with completely different traps or anything, or you can just go full in, guns blazing, difficulty turned down, ammo turned up, doom level sort of murder sprees i guess you could call it and i just think the the ai as well uh is probably some of the best like video game com i guess was it action advent action combat i've ever seen so you know the ai will flank you they will fully just destroy you oh, with wow. their tactics like you could be shooting someone down this and they'll come down that little little uh so i guess a different sort of area fully flank you come behind you either beat you with their weapons they've got just destroy you with whatever they have um they'll call out your location so you could be hidden behind a car they go he's over by that car near the building or something or he's behind that tree or well she's behind that tree um and there's a seamless transitions between like your melee fights and the gameplay and i have to say boy does it look so realistic i know people have got a bit like and well it's not for the faint-hearted um and i do feel somewhat sorry because i know that naughty dog employees said that they well not they had to but some of them did watch reference videos um obviously on like which is bad in a way because it's like people should not be forced to watch stuff like this but i think this is a game which is truly people dedicated to their craft and dedicated mm-hmm. to making this game as as sort of hard hitting and gripping as possible and they've done a fantastic a fantastic job in that side of a combat and this side that side of a combat is just the human combat you know against other survivors then you have the whole survival horror aspect of the game uh, i don't really like horror games i'm 
too scared. Let's just say that. <laughs> um, the horror aspects of this game against the infected. Oh, such good sequences. These There's some sequences in the game. I'm just going to say one in a hospital against a big boy. He's a big boy. And the whole this massive thing in the hotel. The hotel basement uh, is seen as like the scariest part of The Last of Us 1. This hotel in The Last of Us 2. I could tell it's kind of like a tribute to the first one in some ways. But my god, is it's so terrifying at some points. It might have been me. Um, but, you know, you go in there. You hear the sound of a clicker. Uh, if you, I, I'm not even going to try and imitate a clicker because... I just embarrass myself. You hear that sound, it will truly, you be like, oh no, where are they? It's truly haunting experience going up against these. And then they introduce these new enemies called stalkers, I think they are, um, which are basically like stealthy infected. So it's like they, you know, normal zombies, they'll just be roaming around. If they see you, they happen to run at you. These ones, they see you. They don't just attack you. They, they hide. They stealthily creep up on you. Uh, so you don't even see them coming or occasionally they just throw throw even more in the mix they are like because it's supposed to be in the last one it's a, fu- it's a f- um, fungi infection so that's is that the right word yeah, um, a fun- fung- fungal infection yeah so like that's what's taking over people so throughout all the levels it's all like there's loads of spores and mushrooms sort of fungus around and there's literally these things attached to the walls and they will just jump out at you you know, they'll grab you when you walk past. And I'm like, I jumped so many times playing that game. And I was like, oh, my stop. You are it's... really tempting me. The more and more you talk about <laughs> this, particularly the horror elements. I think you've you've talked about this game quite a lot. And I don't feel like there's anything more that I really... You've already convinced <laughs> me in previous weeks why this would be a mm. contender. And like, I think you've extra convinced me today. So I, there's not really anything that I, I feel like I can add apart from maybe going into my next game. Sorry. Yeah, that's it's fine. I'm done with... I think this is the last time I'm going to talk about this show. I'm making a pledge for a while. Unless some news comes out again, I'm not going to talk about The Last of Us 2. Well, no, that's fair. Like, I think... Um, yeah, I could definitely see myself getting The Last of Us uh, Part 2 in... Once pro- I've got I've got a little bit of a backlog that I want to get through, but I reckon once I've got through that, I could I could see my, I could see it happening, Ollie, and it, it will probably good, eventually good. happen. Um, the final game I want to talk about is a PlayStation One game, and there Ooh. are a few I was trying to debate through, but the one I decided to go with uh, was Spyro Three Year of the Dragon. Spyro Three Year of the Dragon is the first Spyro game that I played. It's the third game in the Spyro original trilogy, mm. but I I just really like it and there are definitely probably criticisms to be had i'm playing through the reignited trilogy and uh, i i quite enjoy my switch and i do quite like the first game where it is very simple and basic you just yeah. play spyro the whole time but the spyro 3 game it was really fun like it had these all these weird gimmicks and seg- uh, segments to it but it it felt really special still so you, your goal is you've basically got to go and get back all of these stolen dragon eggs <laughs> and, and it's just like Spyro's on another adventure and that is that is your goal and it's really really fun to just find all the ways that they are hidden in the world like there's all these weird challenges that you have to complete um there are some where you've i always really liked chasing after these strange minions that like run away really fast <laughs> and it was kind of a, a small puzzle uh, like a kid puzzle basically to work yeah. out which route you'd have to take so that you would you would intersect with them i remember there were these um skateboard moments and actually i remember <laughs> the skateboarding being not awful i haven't got to spyro 3 on the reignited trilogy yet it's one of those games no. where i p- 
plug away at every so often. I'm still on uh, Spyro 2. <laughs> but yeah, I remember the skateboarding segments being quite a lot of fun and I spent a lot of time with them as a kid. And then I really like the way they incorporated different characters that can do different things. Um, I remember there was this penguin that has like a jetpack. Mm. And so like you had, you had that <laughs> thing and there was this uh, monkey with a with a laser with a laser gun. There was also a kangaroo, but I can't remember what the kangaroo did. Um, and it, it was just crazy, wild, amazing fun. And for this kid, like this purple dragon, it stuck with me. I played so many other Spyro games. I, I think I played pretty much every Spyro game up to Skylanders after that oh, point nice. that came out. And it was just, it was just so much fun. Like I getting to run around as a game as that as a kid with as, game, as a was, dragon. Yeah, it's 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 a good feeling. Yeah, like it's. It just had to be what it was, and it was it was good. Yes. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit you my hot take here. I'm a Crash Bandicoot guy. You know, Spyro. Who is he? It's all about Crash Bandicoot. No, that's fair <laughs> though. Um, talking of Crash, I I do really like Crash as well. I had Crash One on my mm. PlayStation. I'm pretty excited by the Crash Four announcement because I hopefully it means there'll be a Spyro Four. Ooh, I never I, that, I hadn't thought of that. That's because oh, yeah. Toys for Bob made I I got it wrong. I think when we mentioned it's Toys for Bob. I don't think made the Reignited Trilogy, but they made... They're making Crash 4, and they mm. made the Spyro Reignited Trilogy. Oh, okay. So it would be interesting to see them... You know, obviously they've honed yeah. their skills working on these classic games. Hopefully, if, if uh, the new Crash is pretty well received, it might give them sort of the go-ahead to work on the Spyro one and do that game justice. Because that would be good to see. And now I guess the final one uh, coming from me. This isn't in order for me. You know, I've not really been doing these three games in order. Um, so this isn't my favourite one. It's probably the least, my least favourite of the three out of them, actually. So a bit of an anticlimactic ending, actually. <laughs> um, I've chosen Death Stranding. It is, again, another very divisive game. Um, but I just loved it. It, it wasn't overhyped for me. Um, I actually have only played a few Kojima games before, um, so I'm not as attached to him as a director as some other people are. But I just love this game for, again, the world building and the traversal mechanics. I always think in these big open world games, most of the time you play them, you're sort of exploring the areas. You're walking around or driving around and quite a lot of the time in these games traversal is just like a chore it's like oh please go to this area and you just drive there like in far cry i remember playing far cry 5 you know it's a great game but you spend so much time just driving from place to place and it's like drive here kill some people do the fun parts of the gameplay drive back get your reward and it keeps going like that and it's like you do spend a huge amount of time just traversing environments and it just can get so boring you know it's just open world boredom is kind of a phrase i guess i'd use for it which is kind of slowly seeping in like i know we can talk about the ubisoft forward play event next week um but apparently the far cry 6 is rumored to be the biggest far cry map ever which is not a good thing in my opinion um <laughs> but anyway back to death stranding you know you you fear if i think we've talked about this before i think it's another game i just can't help but talk about it feels like an actual achievement to make it up these huge hills or to somehow um escape an area where there's these bts as they're called so the bts are sort of like i want to say similar to ghosts like these black ghosts like things which are tethered half tethered to the world and half out of the world um and there's you the sense of dread which you when your sort of beacon thing lights up and starts flashing and ticking and going okay there's some bts in it again it's a bit like 
a survival horror, which again, I don't really like, but in these occasions, <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, I think it's not that I don't like them, I'm just scared. Like, I probably would like them all. Um, but again, you are, okay, here are the BTs, and then it starts ticking and ticking, and it builds up and it builds up, and you it, they slowly reveal themselves because you can, as Sam, or um, what's his name, Norman Reedus plays him, uh, you can sense where they are and you eventually get to sense them you're like okay let me just avoid these people and it just becomes a massive relief the moment you get out of there and it's it's this gripping gameplay again and i think one thing which it needs to be sort of done well is it's gripping gameplay which is very unique so you know it's it there's not many games like death stranding in terms of it's not much of an action gameplay i know lots of people like to meme on it saying it's a walking simulator again there's huge parts of the game which are just traversal but there's lots of bits of combat stealth gameplay um there's even big boss fights to be honest if you get caught by the bts they drag you off and you have to go in these massive fights against i can't remember what they're called but they're basically like these massive black whale sort of type things um wow. it's, it's very so it, it's a great sounds game. very kojima as well with lots of the namings yeah there's um i mean just all the characters there's one called die hardman um there is hartman i know they've got a man um that it's a very it is very kojima-y the story line does get a bit confusing and convoluted at sometimes um i will say that and the ending sequence is way too long you know it's like a three four hours basically cutscenes and very few bits of actual gameplay that's probably the worst thing about this game but aside from that you know, everything else in this game is so pure. You can tell that Kojima's been working on it for a long time because it is so carefully crafted and so so carefully honed. And I think the messages and sort of what you get from this game do come out of the fact that it is largely on just traversal, you know. You play as Sam, uh, Sam Porter Bridges. He has very little left. He doesn't really have anyone he cares for. Humanity is on its last legs, essentially, or it was on its last legs. He's all alone. And gradually, as you use resources and you sort of connects people across uh across america i think it actually is and you trade with people and they start to communicate with other people and then the multiplayer elements come into play um with other people leaving you sort of tools or leaving you ropes to climb up or bridges to cross you, it, you start to realize as sam does at the same time that there is hope uh when everyone stays connected no it's, it's a hopeful tone bleak but hopeful and it's like compellingly portrayed through, through these fantastic characters not not just Sam, um, Hardman, well, Die Hardman, Hartman, I can't remember. Um, there's so many of these ones who have their own drives and backstories that each chapter just adds so much to this. Mads Mikkelsen plays a fantastic role in this game. Um, and again, I can't. I don't want to spoil any of the elements again, because this is one game, Hamish, which hopefully you should be able to play quite soon, because I believe it's coming to PC um, quite, sh- quite soon, actually. Ah, okay. So if you don't decide to get a PS4 to play The Last of Us Part Two. You can play this on the PC when it comes out. I think it's it's already out, actually. I think it is out. Or it might be out soon. I'm not sure. I would be really excited to play Death Stranding. I think mm. it looks really cool. And yeah, it seems really odd and kind of esoteric. I think that's the right word. But um, I would yeah. be absolutely down to, to yeah. play. And I do hope that these type games, which are sort of PlayStation-like, I do hope that they do eventually in the future make their way to other consoles like the Xbox because whilst uh, whilst we have talks about PlayStation versus Xbox or we do have our little little sort of rivalries about oh Xbox P- PS4 I do it's all think ingest. 
It's all in jest, and ultimately, gaming would be much better if there was no such thing as exclusives. That includes Nintendo games um, as well. You know, it would be much better if everything was just focused on every game comes everywhere. It's all about the hardware, which one you buy. Um, but unfortunately, I don't think that it's going to go that way anytime soon. No, I think because I, I think it's a way to sort of yeah keep people playing where they in different places. Um, yeah, it's and a, buying your hardware. It's a huge but part anyway. of it. Yeah. On that kind of positive, maybe hope for the future, I think that's where we can end the show. Oh, that was Definitely. quite nice. It was a nice ending. Nice little statement from you, Ollie. <laughs> uh, so I want to say thank you to everybody at home for listening to this show. If you enjoyed it, please, you know, rate us however it is give us a review on whatever platform service you are on we really really appreciate it particularly if they are five stars um and you know send us a screenshot and we'll put you on our instagram stories because uh, that'd be we can give you a, give you a shout out uh you can get in front of all of our followers <laughs> um and speaking of us sharing you why don't you share us with your friends and family anyone that you know that might like gaming or even just might like our really cool opening theme song uh, our opening theme song is natural duality which has been created by joseph mcdade uh, you can find more of his work below at josephmcdade.com he does a bunch of free and commissioned stuff so give him a listen and if you have a podcast yourself that you want to start he could be someone you go to uh, i'd also like to say thank you to all of the news sites and journalists whose articles we've used today particularly during the news segment uh, there will be links down below please give them a click it'll be helpful for them to make sure that games journalism is not a dying art because it's very helpful particularly for us when we're trying to talk about everything <laughs> and then finally i want to say thank you to ollie for being on the show today uh, and thank you to you Hamish. every week yeah it's, it's it's been a quiet one this week we've had guests on for the past two weeks so it's just been us two again yeah well we um we're looking into getting some more guests in the future so be on the lookout yes. but i think it might be us for a couple of episodes uh, that's longer. fine i've got some good some good news coming up in the next few weeks you know the U- ubisoft event uh, this weekend xbox game showcase um nintendo's treehouse thing this weekend which everyone are saying might mean that there'll be a nintendo direct coming soon as well so very possible got some good well, things we'll just have good to things to wait and see yes and until then it'll be goodbye from me and goodbye from me bye, bye. <laughs>